I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. i got a ton to get to today. It's all going to be based around the same thing. One of my long-form shows. Not really caught up in the headlines, but including some of the headlines. And I'll tell you, this show I've been wanting to do since probably Friday. I almost felt like maybe Wednesday was going to be too late to do this show. (laughs) We'll see. We're going to take a look at what's going on around the world economically right now. Uh, I'm like anybody else. You know, you can kind of study things and get into it. I'm pretty fascinated. I talk about myself being an economics nerd. But what's going on right now, I'll tell you, has got me feeling pretty uneasy. There's a part of me, (laughs) when we start to see the real problems, and I'll explain some of them to you today, there's a part of me that wants to say, I told you so. And and I'm not that guy who started talking about inflation last year when inflation spiked. No, I was talking about inflation being a consequence of what this country has been doing, what our political parasite class has been doing since the day I came on air in 2017. A couple of weeks before Trump took office and during Trump's term, I was warning, I was saying, look, this is what's going to happen. So there's a part of me that wants to say, man, I told you so. But that was, that's really not very much comfort to me when I start to really look at what is going on right now and how it could impact all of us. Because I'm not sure how this thing plays out. This is going to be pretty historical. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen tomorrow. Don't listen to me for timing. <laughs> I am not your timing guy. But, but just we're going to go through some of the things that are going on right now that you should be keeping an eye on. I, I was going to say that are concerning, but that t- gets some people to tune out. Oh, I don't want to hear the doom and gloom, Mike. Well, you know, if you got kids, people that you love, a business that you've got to run, maybe having an idea of where we are right now versus where the media and your political class tells you we are, that's valuable information. You can do a lot of great things. Look, times of crises create fortunes. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to be the show that makes you uh, wealthy, but I may help you to avoid <laughs> some of the things that are going to happen to a lot of people in this country. Anyway, before we get into that serious stuff, a couple of, uh, a couple of quotes of the day. We'll start with a couple of fun ones. <laughs> some, some guy tweeted this out. He said, America spent 50 years fighting the USSR just to become a gay, retarded version of it. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, that's pithy and kind of silly. But if you stop and think about it, think about where we are right now. 
fought the Soviet Union in the Cold War. Now we're the place of censorship. Now we're the place of, of horrible economics, bad service. It just, it just look, we, we've become the Soviet Union. Uh, Douglas uh, Bonaparte saw him on Twitter. He said this, due to the rising cost of food prices, the five-second rule has now been extended to the 10-second rule. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about here, I'm sure most people are, the five-second rule is if your food falls on the floor and you pick it up within five seconds, it's perfectly acceptable to eat it. I think we've established this as a societal norm. <laughs> That's been extended to 10 seconds now because we just really cannot afford to be quite so picky uh, about what we eat. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna re repeat a couple of of uh, quotes of the day that I've used before, but I, I think they're gonna become more relevant to people. The, I think people are gonna understand these better in the near future. As I say, I've been using these since I came on air in 2017. And even at a podcast that I did for a couple of years before that. So around 2015, I was using these quotes to kind of warn about what's coming. But let's listen to the people who are in the know. This is a quote from the former Bank of England director, Josiah Stamp. Here's what he said, quote, Banking was conceived in inequity and was born in sin. The bankers own the earth. Take it away from them, but leave them the power to create money. And with the flick of the pen, they will create enough deposits to buy it back again. However, take it away from them, and all the great fortunes like mine will disappear, and they ought to disappear. For this world would be a happier and better world to live in. But if you wish to remain the slaves of bankers and pay the cost of your own slavery, let them to continue to create money. And Thomas Jefferson. No, Tommy J. I've used him a lot on this show. He said, If the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of their currency, first by inflation, then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around the banks will deprive the people of all property until their children wake up homeless in the continent their fathers conquered. The issuing power should be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. I mean, think about that quote for just a second. He talks about, if you allow the private banks to control the issue of their currency, which we do in this country through the Federal Reserve, your children will wake up homeless in the continent their fathers, uh, their fathers conquered. We have found out in the past year, kids can't afford a home anymore. Homeless problem is just going through the roof around the country. It's literally happening right now. You let them create enough money. And I'm going to show you where that money uh, went in just a second. Really some pretty shocking statistics. And Thomas Jefferson continued with this uh, in his separate quote. He said, I sincerely believe that banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies and that the principle of spending money to be paid by posterity under the name of funding is but swindling fut uh, futurity on a large scale. And we'll get to deal with that in just a second, too, when it comes to the spending uh, in our Congress. But isn't it interesting, while they've convinced the people in this country to focus on the Russians and the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Chinese, and all the Muslim terrorists, they, they call them out and made you scared. Those were our enemies. It turns out the people that were telling you those things, telling you to focus on them, the people telling you that were the actual enemies. 
None of that list of foreign players that I just listed could have even touched your way of life. But now you're starting to see who can affect your quality of life, and they are not outside of our borders. They are right here in the United States. Here, here's a statistic here. Check this out. The net worth of the top 0.1%, not the 1%, I hate that, the 99% versus the 1%, I told you. <laughs> Economic troubles are coming for that 1%, but not for that 0.1%. That's where the trouble really starts. The net worth of the top 0.1% is $18.6 trillion. The net worth of the bottom 50% is $3.6 trillion. Let me say that again. The 0.1% is $18.6 trillion. The bottom 50% of people, half of the rest of the people, $3.6 trillion. Now, if you want to know what the numbers are there, so what is that? That's, uh, that's about a 5x, five, five right? The top 0.1% own five times the wealth of the bottom 50%. The household count in the top 1%, 132,262 families. In the bottom 50%, 50,020. 50, just think about that. 132,000 families control five times what the bottom 66 million actually uh, own. Now, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm truly, I, I seriously hope that I'm wrong about what I'm seeing financially right now. We're going to get into some of it today because I, I believe I've made some good calls on this show, shared some information with people that they don't know. You know, I, I've warned you about it's, it's I've warned about people like Trump was hiring and was proven right time and time and time again. But every time the next one comes up, I'm wrong about that guy. Warned about the medical establishment from the day I came on air long before COVID and been warning you about inflation long before it hit. But what I'm seeing right now in the economy. In the stock market and most particularly in the bond market right now. I think we're in some deep trouble and feels kind of nowish. There, there's uh, our banking system right now, and this is where I say I start to get kind of nervous. Look, I'm positioning myself the best I can with the resources that I have available, but I, I don't know what happens if we have large-scale bank failures in this country. Uh, it seems to me that most of the banks in our country are technically insolvent. Now, I'd like to really spend time on this. This is really where my interest lies, but it gets wordy. It probably gets boring, and I have too much to cover today. But uh, our banks and our insurance companies, our pension plans, they invest a lot of money in government bonds and even some corporate bonds. And the problem is they did that during a 40-year bubble in those markets. 40-year bubble. See, most people are, they understand a stock market bubble, right? The stock market in the late 90s starts really going to the moon over the course of two, three years. And then it pops, right? Or, or we see a real estate bubble where for, you know, three, four years, maybe real estate values go up and people can spot that and go, oh, that's a bubble. And, you know, housing prices are going to come down. We're in one right now. But I don't think many people can really conceptualize what a 40-year 
bubble in the making is and how big that is and understand that the bond market is actually the most important market in the world, particularly the U.S. bond market. U.S. banks are facing roughly $600 billion of unrealized losses, which accounts for roughly 25% of total banking capital near the highest levels in history. So these, these pension plans, these insurance companies, and the banks have bought these bonds during a bubble. And now they're losing value at a rapid pace. It's okay. Right now the Federal Reserve is telling them, hey, we'll take those bonds that are actually only worth 50 cents on the dollar. We'll give you 100 cents on the dollar. You send us that bond. We're going to send you the full value of that bond back to you to work with it. It's supposed to go back, though. That's actually a loan. I think they'll probably end up extending it, extending it, extending it, because I don't know when the banks can pay that back. I, I, don't, I can already feel myself getting wordy in this, but it's kind of like you if, you. if you were a stock market investor in 2007 before the stock market crashed, and you lost half of your money in the stock market, were struggling a little bit, and you got somebody to say, well, look, just we're going to give you, give me those shares of stock that you have, and we're going to pay you what they were worth at the peak back in 2007. We'll give you that working capital. You can imagine how strange and weird that is. It's, it's, it's an emergency measure. Uh, that's what they're doing. So the banks right now have got lost $600 billion in the value of these things. Now, we're not really seeing it. After the first few bank failures, they set up this facility to start giving them all this money. But there are big rumblings going on right now. A 40-year bubble is popping in bonds. And if you've been conditioned to only pay attention to the stock market because it's sexy and you can get rich on a high-flying stock, look, I, I pay attention to the stock market too. And it has been more exciting. But all of the action these days is actually hidden from most people in the bond market. And I'm going to talk about a call that was made, a call that was made on CNBC on Monday. On Monday. And we'll start to wrap our heads around a world if this, <laughs> if this guy was right. And he's one of the best on CNBC, if not the best, because he's not bought into all of the financial engineering of the past 40 years. He's understood it was a game. It was a game to come to the conclusion that we started the show with, which is that 0.1% controlling five times what the bottom 50% of the country own. That's what this has been about. It's been the greatest wealth transfer in the history of mankind. You've just lived through it. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. At some point, if you're young right now, someday you will tell your grandchildren, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we'll have grandchildren in this country. You'll tell your grandchildren that you lived through one of the biggest, nastiest bubble financialization scams in the history of the world. Hopefully, those of us who are of advanced age will get to the other side of this and be able to tell the tale as well. Anyway, we'll get to that when we come back. Stick around. Don't stop me It's probably a little bit of bad form. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tout this show a tiny bit. I guess I'm, I guess I'm doing a little bit of that. Man, I've tried to tell you. 
I tried to tell you, while conservative talk radio has spent the last 30 years nibbling around the edges and talking about the political theater endlessly, we had a 40-year bubble in bonds that's about to pop. Now, we could have stopped that bubble in bonds by actually holding politicians accountable for the spending. More on that in just a minute. But we didn't do that. Instead, we fought about the personalities. We know the names. And, of course, we allowed them also to direct us to the other countries, like I said, the other enemies, when actually the enemies were here. China. I don't know how many times I have said, if people would just be, just calm down about China, China's going to fall on its own ass. And it is about to. China may have a bigger housing bubble than we have. Certainly on the, like the real estate developer side, they've got some super big real estate developers there. And, and it's not like uh, American real estate developers. You'll hear about uh, Pulte Homes or D.R. Horton. Is that one of them? Uh, it, it's not like that where they build a few subdivisions here or there or some multifamily apartments. No, the, these real estate developers in China, they build entire cities. I've talked about the ghost cities. If you've never seen images of the ghost cities in China, you need to do a search, an internet search for it. It's fascinating. Entire Manhattans that up to the last time I looked, probably three or four years ago, were completely uninhabited. I used the statistic that China, at some point in the early 2000s, they used more concrete in just a few years in China than the United States used in all of the 1900s during the entire 20th century. Think about that. Think of the growth of American cities between 1900 and the year 2000. China poured more concrete than that in just a few years. And these real estate developers are in big, big trouble right now, having trouble making interest payments. So there could be a credit event that is sparked in China. The Bank of Japan right now, the Bank of Japan has done some really wacky stuff, really things that just don't seem to make any sense. Luckily, they're a big producer and exporter, so they've got a little more wiggle room, I guess, than a country like us, which is an importer and a, just a, we're just a consumer economy. They actually make things in China. I mean, excuse me, in Japan. But the Bank of Japan has been buying their own bonds, very similar to what the Fed did when they kept interest rates at zero. They went out and bought our own bonds through what is called quantitative easing. Japan's been doing that for like 30 years. It's been part of the big bond bubble that's been blown up. They are actually talking about changing that now. And I actually went out and researched it because I heard people say, you know, if, if the Bank of Japan stops trying to control the yield on their bonds, it's called... YCC, Yield Curve Control, if they stop doing that, that could be game over for the world economy. And I thought, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Why would that be? And I looked and found out. <laughs> Essentially, if they let their bond yields go up, there have been a whole lot of people, particularly in Japan, that have a lot of money. They, they are the largest buyer of U.S. bonds. And the reason they do that is because they take their currency, but instead of investing it you know, half of 1% in their bonds, they've been buying our bonds at 3%, now 4%, 5%. If they let theirs go up, then all the Japanese will say, well, I tell you what, I'm going to sell all my U.S. bonds and I'm going to go buy Japanese bonds because now I can get a return on them. And the amount of money that would flow out of U.S. Treasury bonds would be a game changer. You think rates are high right now? Just wait. It's going to cause a lot of problems. Uh, Rick Santelli He's a, he's a uh, trader, 
guy that does a lot of stuff, particularly on the bond market, commodities markets on CNBC. So most people don't know who he is. They know who Kramer is because he tells them all the hot stocks. <laughs> if you want to lose a lot of money, follow Jim Kramer. But Rick Santelli's been over there kind of speaking truth to power for decades now at CNBC. He's made some great calls and had some great rants over the years. He was in front of a, a group of people, all the CNBC talking heads who were constantly talking about how great the Federal Reserve is and what, you know, we're probably in a no landing situation, meaning no recession. They've orchestrated this perfectly. They would praise Ben Bernanke for saving the U.S. economy back in 2008, 2009. Uh, anyway, he did a little presentation to a big table of them the other day on CNBC. Anyway, I'll cut to the chase. Uh, he's saying that he sees interest rates in the United States on the long end, meaning our bonds going to 13%. Now, 13%. Now, just for fun, for those of you who can see what I see and actually care enough about the spending in the United States federal government to not support a single politician, even if you love him and he takes a great mugshot, any politician that facilitates the bankrupting spending in the United States, for any of you, at 13% treasury rates, Interest on the U.S. debt, this is interest only on the debt, doesn't tack, tackle any of the $33 billion and growing as we speak. The interest on the $33 trillion debt would be somewhere between 4 and $5 trillion a year in interest. And if you can imagine Treasury yields at 13%, what will happen, see, most people don't care about the bond market. Like I say, it's not sexy. Usually it's pretty slow moving. I mean, it took 40 years to build up this massive bubble. Stocks can do that in, <laughs> in just a couple of years. This is, this is a kind of a tortoise in the hare story. Uh, if you had treasury yields at 13%, that puts prime rate, you know, three and a half, four percent above that. But if you could buy a U.S. treasury at 13%, how many of you would risk your money in the stock market which is averaged somewhere between maybe 6 or 10% a year, pre-tax, of course. If you could get a guaranteed 13% in a bond, would you risk your money in the stock market? Nope. So if the bond market blows up and these interest rates go up that high, the stock market is absolute toast. Who in the world would risk their money in a very volatile market to hope to make somewhere between 6 and 10% when you can just park it somewhere and guarantee a 13%. And see, the clueless people at CNBC, I think they're clueless. You know, it's kind of like medical, it's kind of like doctors. Maybe they're not bad people, but they've just been raised in this system to believe that the way things are is the way they should be because that's the way they've always been. You know what I mean? They're, they're trained at Wharton Business School. They're, they're from wealthy families. It's been working for them, so why question it? It's the same as doctors. They're trained a pill for every ill. They're trained by the pharmaceutical companies. They can't see any other way. But they asked Rick Santelli, they said, what in the world would cause? Why would you think that interest rates would go up to 13%? And Rick Santelli explained it the same way I've been explaining it since the day I came on air. And he said, government spending. He said, just look at what the government is spending. See, when the government spends all this money that they don't have and they need to borrow it, they need to issue bonds. And I've explained this also. I won't spend a whole lot of time uh, on it. But 
you know, if you've got a few bonds, you can sell them pretty easy, right? Whatever the interest rate is. Some people want stable return. They'll go out and they get them. But if you've got to unload a bunch of bonds, if you've got to borrow a bunch of money, people start to go, I don't know, man. You, you seem like you're spending a lot of money. I don't know if I should loan you this for 4%. And the government has to go, all right, how about 5%? I don't know. Y'all are... Y'all are really spending a lot of money. All right, how about 7%? See, they've got all these bonds that they have to sell to borrow all of this money. They're going to have to start raising the rates to attract investors. Who the hell is going to buy these bonds? If the Chinese are in a, in a credit crisis, if the Japanese have got their issues, they don't want U.S. Treasuries anymore. Most of the world is sick of our crap in the first place. They don't want to deal with this, but unfortunately, they still are tethered to the dollar but we're going to have to offer them a lot better rates of return to get them to buy all this debt. So just when this happens, when interest rates hit 10, 15, 20% going forward, never forget, it was your government, both wings, both crooked wings on this corrupt bird, the Republicans and the Democrats, it was your government that spent all of that money that caused these interest rates to spike. Do not fall for the, it's the other side. A lot of you right now saying, oh, yeah, you can see this is this is taking place on. See, I knew this Joe Biden was going to screw everything up. This is a 40 year bond bubble. Donald Trump spent more money than Barack Obama did in his first term. Joe Biden will spend more money than Donald Trump did in his term. And if Trump comes back, he will spend more money than Joe Biden did now. Because Donald Trump, if he gets reelected, is going to walk smack dab into the middle of a financial crisis. And Donald Trump's a Keynesian. I played a clip from his own economic advisor, Stephen Moore, who said, oh, yeah, Donald Trump's a Keynesian. And if you don't know what a Keynesian is, it's somebody who believes that government spending is what keeps the U.S. economy humming. The government spending is good for the economy because it shows up in GDP. And that's Donald Trump. So do not fall for this. You're, you're, you're about to see something happen. And if you fall for the two-party, it's the other side's fault. I don't care if you're on the—if Trump gets elected and it happens on— there'll be a lot of Democrats out there going, look at what's happening. Look, look I knew if we put Donald Trump in there, it's going to—no, no, 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 <laughs> no. They have done this. They have locked arms and looted this country. And what would 13% interest rates on treasuries do to the housing market? Because that would put mortgage rates at 16 17%. It's actually what I'm waiting for, because home prices would have to be at least half of what they are right now, maybe less than that. You buy a house at 16% interest rate, you're going to get a cheap house. Not gonna, they're not going to be at these prices. And then in a few years, interest rates will moderate once the everything's been kind of reset, once all of the froth out of the market is gone. Interest rates will come back down. Then you've got a cheap house that you can refi a few years later. If you've not bought a house recently... I'm telling you, don't do it now. <laughs> I, I'm not great at timing, but I do know uh, there are going to be better times ahead. And speaking of that, this was just kind of funny. Somebody had posted this, I think, in a neighborhood chat or something like that, and it was it was shared on Twitter. This is this signs people just don't understand the economy. Here's what somebody posted. They said, now more than ever, we need unity among homeowners. I see quite a few, all caps, weak cowards. <laughs> That's in all caps. In the area, listing their homes for less than they're worth. First of all, the only, 
things are only worth what somebody is willing to pay for them. Now, this is one of the lessons that my father taught me that I can't appreciate. Oh, you bought your beanie babies, but you bought them at the wrong time. They're not worth what they were when you bought them. So th this guy is saying, these weak cowards listing their homes for less than they're worth. He said, I understand the desire to sell your home quickly, but listing your home for a lower value than what it's worth hurts comps for all your neighbors. This is especially painful. Those who purchased recently and can't go underwater, otherwise they will have trouble refinancing when rates go down. So please, this person continues to plead. I don't mean to laugh. But this is when people just don't understand what's going on. And you'll, under, you'll see what he says in a second. He says, so please have some humanity and stand with your neighbors. And all caps again, do not lower house prices. If we work together to secure our community's real estate market, we can persevere through this winter and into the spring where sales prices will go up again. He who panics first panics best. Isn't that a saying, I believe? Here's what happens in a real estate bust. The, the investors, the financial class, they'll take a loss at a heartbeat. Now, there, there's a different calculation there. They're not homeowners, right? They don't raise children there. They don't have really ties to the house. So you can understand that. I understand people who say, man... I don't want to sell this house. And if we do, you know, we need to make sure we make some money. But what happens is while all the homeowners wrestle with the emotions of a home sale, the investors are like, oh, this is not it. We know what's coming. Sell it. I don't care. Take a $25,000 loss, a $50,000 loss. Get it off the books. We see what's coming. While the homeowners go, I don't know. I don't know. And then the, finally they see the, the investors or other people start lowering their prices. So they lower it just a little bit, but they're always behind the curve. And what happens is that $400,000 house, they try to chase all of, the, all of the lower listing prices that they see because they're just thinking that, well, my home's worth $400,000. They don't understand the game has changed. So while the investors and other people cut their prices, they just keep reducing it by $10,000, $10,000. Finally, a year down the road, they sell for two eighty dollars when they could have just cut from four hundred dollars to $360,000 I mean, and banked another eighty grand in profit. But they just can't come to terms with the idea that the game has changed. And the game has changed. Now, here's my caveat to that. I can't imagine what our government's about to do. Should these things transpire, should this actually happen, I can't imagine they'll start issuing federally subsidized home loans, down payment assistance, housing stimmies. I don't, I don't know what they'll pull out of their bag of tricks, but here's the problem. That will create inflation. That's how the game has changed. Now every stimulus that they offer, every program they try to roll out, it makes the inflation problem worse. See, we've, we've had all these years... Without this runaway inflation, oh, it's been worse than they've reported, but it hasn't been as bad as it's been recently after we printed into existence, what, like 80% of all the money created in the history of the country was created between Donald Trump's last year and Joe Biden's first year, and this lit the fuse on inflation, that's the difference now. The Fed, all of its tools, all of its tricks, all of its gimmicks to get us through the first round in the 2008-2009 crisis, even the dot-com bubble. Even before that, a couple of crises in the, the Asian crisis and the long-term capital management crisis back in the 1990s. That, that bag of tricks is used up. They may have another one I'm not aware of. I can't see it. 
and a lot of really smart people can't see it. They're all out of bullets. The housing market has changed, and you can only imagine. You can only imagine interest rates at 16, 18, 20% for houses, what that's going to do. <laughs> he calls everybody who's trying to get out now before the bloodbath comes. We cowards. Uh, this guy's going to be sitting on something. He's going to be deeply underwater on his house. I hope he likes it, seriously. And I mean that with, with all sincerity. If you like your home and you can afford the mortgage and it's fixed no matter what you're paying, you like your neighbors, you like your area, so what? So your net worth on paper changes a little bit. Your life doesn't have to change. You're comfortable making the mortgage payment. God love you. But if you need to move, don't let a neighbor, don't let a neighbor shame you for lowering your price to actually get a sale. The market has changed. If you need to sell, it's time to realize that. Got to take a break. Be right back. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. Boy, I have really gone long. <laughs> so we've got the bulk of the show under my belt already. I've got so much more to go over. But here, let me, let me float one thing. Let me make one prediction to you. Here's the first thing I, I see the housing market doing, or lenders. While they try to cling to this idea that home prices are going to stay at this super elevated level where, I, what is it, like 80% of average Americans now cannot afford the typical price home. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of distortion. We're talking about Mississippi here. It's probably a different scenario than it is in in Phoenix, Arizona. I think I'm about to find out about that. I'm being sent to Phoenix, Arizona soon. But um, here's what I believe the lenders will do to try to defy gravity one more time in the housing market. You're going to start to see 40, 50, 60 year mortgages coming out. See, this is the trick that they played with cars over the past couple of decades because Americans only understand payments. So a longer loan keeps your payments lower. It costs a hell of a lot more in the end, and you probably won't pay, I mean, next to nothing into the equity of your house on the front end. You know they collect interest heavy up front, right, in an amortization schedule. It may be 20 years before you start to even nibble at the principal, meaning if you have to sell in the first 10 or 15 years, it's going to be very difficult to make a nickel on a house. But I think this is, this is just my spidey sense says that's what they'll do because that's what they did with cars. If they had left cars at really three to five year loans, people wouldn't be able to afford these cars these days. Now they're financing them for what, 84 months, 96 months. And realtors and builders will cheer for this, even if it wrecks the future of buyers. And let me say one other thing. If the government does try to intervene some way, to prop these housing prices up at some level, it will just continue to shut out new home buyers. Even those of you sitting on homes right now with great appreciation in it, God love you, you made a good move. But don't you feel some obligation to, to, to maybe forestall a little bit of that paper wealth that you've got right now to allow future generations to thrive in this country, knowing that this paper wealth that's been created for you was done with funny money? I'm just saying. Anyway, that's that's one thing that that I see is uh, is is a possibility. 
Now, here's the th- probably one of the things that I really want to drive home. Time to go ahead and get into this now. Uh, the worst part about what I'm seeing right now, because I pay attention to both the economy and political talk. And, and the real tragedy and the reason that I think that this is inevitable for all of us to go through is because the Republicans say they understand the problem. They have the answer. Democrats say they have the answer. They know what's going on. They have the answer. Neither one of the groups has any clue. Not, not a single clue. And, and I judge that by the fact that the people that they choose to lead these parties say absolutely really nothing about it. You know, one of the heroes of the conservatives right now is uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And I've certainly agreed with her on some things. She does some great things out there. I've, I've been a little skeptical of some of her recent uh, partnerships with people like Kevin McCarthy. But she was out t- touting the fact that uh, she stripped out $300 million in aid for Ukraine. Now, I'll probably spend tomorrow getting into a little bit of this government shutdown stuff. And, and while I oppose Ukraine spending... You do realize that's completely meaningless, and this is not time to play around. Uh, they passed the defense appropriations bill, and they stripped out this $300 million, I think, or maybe it was defeated. I don't even know because it doesn't really even matter. Here's what I want you to understand. Uh, here's the story. House Republicans proposed more than $820 billion in new funding for defense operations in the Pentagon's appropriations bill. That includes what negotiators, what negotiators touted earlier this year as a historic, quote, investment in security cooperation funding for Taiwan, unquote. Pay bumps for military personnel and boost for the National Guard uh, counter drug program. I could do a whole show just on that paragraph. How stupid that is. We're broke. We have no natural enemies. As I explained to you earlier, all of our enemies were created by the parasites in Washington, D.C. that are outside of our borders. And the real enemies that are a danger to our way of life are actually here. And they're using $820 billion, uh, excuse me, investments, investments into their pockets. They're just doing the bidding of the military industrial complex. But what's, what's interesting is people are getting too fixated and too distracted by this $150 billion for Ukraine. And even if you do away with all of that, understand the Republicans are still pushing you towards a more than $1 trillion national defense budget, including CIA and other stuff that doesn't go under the Pentagon. See, we're, we're losing the actual problem and we're nibbling around the edges at this Ukraine funding. As, as, as serious as it is, it's real money. It shouldn't be spent. But people are losing sight of the idea that what's bankrupting this country is actually the military spending in the first place, along with social entitlements and everything else. So ending funding to Ukraine should just be a start. It doesn't accomplish anything meaningful in the long run if they don't tear apart this Pentagon. See, the Republicans will try to convince you, we stopped the Ukraine spending, love us now. They're dead wrong. One other thing, I got a short segment when I come back. I'll show you what the Republicans are planning on doing about this spending to save us all from the the debt apocalypse. Be right back. Hey, I understand Democrats think uh, 
money comes from unicorn farts or something. I don't know. They just think it magically appears. I don't have any hope in the Democrats of curtailing spending. But Republicans are just completely misjudging this whole thing. What are the Republicans doing? I'm explaining to you that you could see 16% mortgage rates if government doesn't get spending under control. Well, the Republicans to the rescue. Check this out. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy suggested that the House form a bipartisan debt commission that would focus on the long-term effort to rein in government spending and bring down the national debt. So what's the GOP going to do for spending? They're going to form a commission. A commission that will take years, cost billions, and even if they come up with any decent recommendations, they'll be ignored. Over and over again. This is the Republican solution. You understand why I don't play the two-party game? Because of stuff like this. A commission. It's not hard. Stop spending money that you don't have. Close the Federal Reserve. Audit it and shut it down. A commission. That, that, that is absolutely typical of both of these parties. They're not serious about this stuff, and we're all about to pay the price. All the time I got today, have a great one. I'll talk to you more about this tomorrow. Bye-bye. Here comes the ready or not.